This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We are very disappointed that Tempe voters did not approve Propositions 301, 302, and 303. As Tempe Mayor Corey Woods said, this was the best sports deal, sports deal in the history of Arizona. The Coyotes wish to thank every single person who supported our efforts and voted yes. So many community leaders stepped up and became our advocates, and for that, we will forever truly be grateful. We also wish to thank the countless volunteers who worked so hard to try and make the Tempe Entertainment District a reality, and the Tempe City Council for their unanimous approval and support as well. While we wanted a different outcome, we remain grateful to all those who volunteered their time and their talent. What is next for the franchise will be evaluated by our owner and the National Hockey League over the coming weeks. All right, that is Javier Gutierrez, the Coyotes president and CEO, last night after Tempe voters delivered a resounding no to the proposed $2.1 billion arena and development district in Tempe. Gutierrez did not take any questions last night after the vote, leaving a ton of unanswered questions. Perhaps the biggest one, is this it for hockey in the desert? Lots of speculation last night and this morning about Coyote's possible relocation. Will it be Houston, Salt Lake City, Quebec City? Can Atlanta finally work? Some water is being thrown on that this afternoon, at least in the immediate aftermath of this news and the vote last night. According to ESPN's Greg Wyshynski, the Coyotes are expected to play the 2023-24 season at Mullet Arena in order to give their next market some runway should they relocate. Bill Daly told ESPN, quote, I don't envision a scenario in which the Coyotes are not playing in Mullet Arena Next season, of course, Mullet is the rink at Arizona State University where the team played this season and was expected to be almost the stopgap measure before getting into a new building. Again, that proposed arena and development district in Tempe. The team seemed really optimistic about the vote. Uh, polling looked good. Obviously, we're not successful. As we welcome you into Hockey Central 960, Haley Salvin here with you for the next hour. We're going to go deeper into the news out of Arizona with more of an expert on the subject. Craig Morgan from Phoenix Hockey now joins us now on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. Craig, how are we doing today? Thanks for doing this. Uh, yeah, Haley, good to hear your voice. <laughs> it has been, as usual with the Coyotes, uh, a roller coaster 24 hours. Yeah, I'm like looking at my prep sheet when I was doing this today. I was like, where do we even begin? I feel like we can, obviously there's been a little bit of movement and some news as the afternoon has gone today, but let's maybe start with last night. Um, you were there covering this. It seemed like there was a bit of a festive feel last night for the Tempe Wins Group, as you reported in your story for Phoenix Hockey Now. The polling projected around 56 to 57% support for the Coyotes' proposal, but the votes did not go that way. Tempe voters said no to the proposed arena and entertainment district. Can you kind of break this all down for us and, and kind of what happened last night, maybe where things went wrong? Yeah, it's, it's my outlet. But, um, yes, when I arrived, 
there was enormous optimism for how this vote was going to go. And as you alluded to, it was based on internal polling. At least that's what my sources had told me. They thought they had as much as a 10-point lead and they would get 56 to 57 percent support from Tempe voters. Um, and then when the, when the results went up on the board at the what was supposed to be a party, it was, it was like a funeral because, in fact, the opposition got 56 to 57 support. Uh, so it was the dead opposite, Haley, of what they expected, which calls into question a number of things. First of all, how did the how was the polling that far off? That is that is a dramatic shift in numbers, even when you consider margins of error. But it also called into question just, you know, the, the campaign as a whole. They got outspent on this campaign by a, a, an opposition that had union money behind it. Um, and they probably got outclassed by a more more expertise on the other side of the equation they just didn't message well with tempe voters and it showed up in the results i mean they just got obliterated it wasn't even close and you know i was and yes i'm I'm so sorry craig i said phoenix hockey now it's phoenix sports where you can find all of craig morgan's uh reporting on this situation there's lots of deep dives on the site on craig's social media as well that you can find um you know i was interesting because I was seeing a lot about, you know, at least from the Tempe Wins group, how many jobs this would create. No taxpayer money. Like, it was on a dump site. Like, on paper, this seemed like it was an easy yes. Why would people vote no? Well, a number of reasons. I think the opposition did a good job of messaging. They, they, they and, and they were easy narratives, right? It, it's very easy to discredit. The opposition, when you when you have someone with Alex Morello's track record, uh, we know the story, you know, Katie Strang's story in The Athletic, uh, uh, detailing mm-hmm. a lot of the faux pas here earlier. There were, there were bills that he hadn't paid, contracts that he hadn't paid, taxes that he hadn't paid, uh, in addition to certainly as misconduct in the workplace. So you have all of that, and then it was just a matter of painting him as the corrupt billionaire. It's an easy narrative, and, and again, there's... There's some backing to that. But beyond that, I don't think the Coyotes ran a very good campaign. If you look at the demographics of the vote, this was primarily a 65 and up vote. That, that, that comprised the majority of the voters. And they're out there talking about the Rodeo Drive of Arizona. You know, guys were walking around in suits. They just didn't reach the actual voters. Um, and there, I know that there was complaint early on in the campaign from Tempe City staffers. Randy Keating, one of the council members, came on our show and wondered aloud why there hadn't been anything from the Yes campaign. We were in February. The No campaign had been up and running for two months, getting their messaging out and really cementing views and ideas in voters' heads. So he was frustrated, and I know that frustration continued. They did up their game a bit, but I don't think anyone came away from this believing that the Coyotes ran the best campaign possible. They got outspent. And when you look at the potential windfall for Alex Morello, you have to ask why. It doesn't make any sense that he would not have gone all in on this campaign to make sure he won. And I think that raises maybe questions or alarm bells for people as to, like, what is next and how is this going to continue to be viable? And I think we actually we have a we have a quick clip from one of the local stations that was posted yesterday. This is from one of the voters uh, who was there. This is why he said he voted no for the arena. I probably never go there and I don't really want my tax dollars going that direction. (laughs) 
And, and it kind of just yeah. speaks to everything you're saying here, Craig. And I saw, you know, some statistics that were out there. The turnout by voters age 65 plus was 63% and made up 43% of all voters. And so the way that they're looking at it is like, well, I don't care. I'm not going to go and I don't want to pay for this. And that obviously led yeah. to, you know, a really massive roadblock to say the least for the coyotes you know continuing to to work this franchise and hockey working in the desert yeah and the tax component in particular is the one that i think is so frustrating to so many people because if you looked at the actual structure of the deal the only tax money that was going to it was tax generated on the site sales tax a portion of that was going to be used to pay down the coyotes debt and that they did message that over and over again. I'm just not sure why it didn't get through. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't choose the right avenues or the right the right media sources to get that information to voters because there's still this belief that Tempe taxpayers were going to be on the hook for this. Tempe credit the city staff, credit former Mayor Hugh Hallman who stepped in and volunteered his time to structure a deal for the city. The counties made a lot of concessions from the original deal. Tempe really protected itself from liability. There were. Every former mayor, every current council member, and all but two former council members supported this deal, as well as a litany of business leaders in the community. This had widespread support from people who understood Tempe's economics and situation very well, and yet it got hammered at the polls. It's, it's, it's dumbfounding in some ways, Haley. If it was going to be mostly privately funded, why was this... Uh, why was there a public vote? Is it just because it's a smaller municipality and that's just the way that things are done there? I guess I'm curious about that element. It's just uh, the way that Arizona referendum laws are structured. Um, that, that, that's the reality of it. And they knew, they knew um, when they were putting this together that if they didn't send it to referendum, someone would challenge it. They already knew that there were union groups that were going to challenge this collect the signatures and get it on referendum. Had they allowed that to happen per Arizona law, there has to be a 180-day window between that time and, and when you can hold the referendum. It would have delayed this process until August. So it would have slid that timeline for you know, hoping to move into a new arena even farther back, and they didn't want that to happen. Okay. Uh, so obviously a ton of questions in the aftermath of this vote, but I think the biggest one has been what comes next and is this it for hockey in the desert? I mean, some movement on that today. I mean, ESPN reported that they will play at the Mullet Arena next season. You also tweeted that there is a path forward for the Coyotes in Arizona. Uh, what do you, what's going on here? What kind of comes next for, for this organization? Yeah, and I, I reported on a couple of other radio shows earlier that they would be playing at Mullet next season. I've, I've had, had that yeah. confirmed as well. But I uh, I have spoken to very reputable sources on, on the latter topic of a path forward in Arizona. And i, I got to tell you, Haley, when I, when I went home after that vote last night, having covered this team for the past 23 years, that was the first time that I walked away thinking, this feels like the end. This feels like... The Coyotes' tenure in Arizona is over. Um, a lot of people have noted the fact that Gary Bettman did not talk about uh, a commitment to Arizona in the statement that he released last night, and that was that was a shift from the past. And that was one of many telltale signs. Aside from knowing this market and knowing the other options, it didn't look like there was anything viable for the Coyotes. But I have since come to the understanding that 
there are paths forward. Alex Morello wants to maintain ownership of this team, and it seems like the league is okay with that and okay with pursuing other options. I outlined some of those options in my story today. I don't want to get too granular on you for mm-hmm. people who don't know the geography, but there are a few options on the table that I think they're going to consider. And it again, it looks like the league will allow it. I, the, the thing that I wonder, Haley, and I'm sure you're thinking about this as well, is where does the Board of Governors sit on this? Where does the PA sit on this? Are they okay with saying, okay, let's try it again in Arizona. It's only been, you know, 25 years. What are we doing here? I, I'm really okay. surprised that there is any sort of leash for the Coyotes at this point. Right. And I, I mean, there's been some columns, too. I mean, my colleague at The Athletic, Eric Dehashik, has kind of said, you know, it's, it's kind of time for Gary Bettman to let go of of the Coyotes in Arizona project, like just move on. And and I find this really tough because I've never been able, I've never sat in the fans spot of seeing your team get moved. But I also do wonder like how much longer can they move around? I mean, I don't think Glendale's a viable option at this point. I don't think it makes sense to go back there. I, I mean, I think I've seen some rumblings about the Phoenix Suns owner. Is he interested? Could they do something there? Could they make that arena more viable for hockey, not just basketball? So I'm curious about what the options could be to keep them in the state of Arizona. Yeah, yeah the, I mean, the only way it works with Matt Ishbia and the Suns is if Matt Ishbia actually buys the team Um they can't make right. it work as a tenant in an NBA arena. That's, that's, that's the reality for all NHL teams. You don't play as a tenant in somebody else's arena. That's the reason they left that very building in the first place, because revenue-wise mm-hmm. it didn't work anymore. But if you were interested in buying the team, I'm, I'm certain that's something that the league would consider. But again, as I stated earlier, I don't think Alex Morello wants to sell the team, and I don't think the league is inclined to force him to sell the team. So that, that brings up other possibilities mm-hmm. like the city of Mesa, which – is adjacent to Tempe. There's a, there's they need to uh, just sort of redevelop that entire area. There's also an area along the river that's just down from where this location would have been in Tempe. And then, of course, the one that's been talked about for years is going on to tribal lands that creates its own set of complications with gaming rights. If you know Arizona law with land ownership, um, there, there are a lot of uh, complex things that you have to work through to make that happen. But I do think, in fact, I know there's some appetite from the Salt River Maricopa Indian community to have the Coyotes on their land. Again, that doesn't mean that we're going to have a deal, but there is interest. Hmm. And it's my understanding that they have a few more years left on their agreement to play at Mullet Arena. So that would kind of be the continue to be the stopgap before they find an alternative. Is that right? Yeah, and I, I wonder about that. They have two more years and then an option for a, a year beyond that. Actually, uh, as Morgan Olson, the ASU CFO, told me, they have they have continuing options. They can continue to extend that out. ASU is just fine with that because ASU is made out like a bandit in it. Um, but would the league allow that? Does the league really want the Coyotes playing in Mullet Arena any more than the current timeline of three years? That's the part that I have a hard time grasping here. So you, you strike a new deal or you, you come to – the, the principal points of a new deal, you start negotiations. Well, how long does it take simply to come to an agreement before you can even break ground? And does that extend the timeline? Is and, and again, is the Board of Governors really willing to say, yeah, go ahead and play five more years at Mullet Arena where you're going to be losing tons of money, impacting the league, impacting players' salaries, forcing players into lesser playing conditions? I just have a hard time with that. So I'm still trying to wrap my head around why why the league is still committed to this market. 
I'm feeling the same way because as, as you mentioned, like even if you can, let's say um, there's something better down the road in Tempe or in, Mes- uh, in Mesa, Arizona, like how long is that going to take? And is the length of that time going to be okay with everybody to continue to play at the, the Mullet Arena at Arizona State? It, it's just almost feels like the timeline, it, it's too small. Like I, I feel like the Coyotes are, are running out of time and options. And I know that's not what anybody who's a fan of, of that franchise and have been hoping for, for it to work wants to hear, but just feels like the timing's not, it's not great, is it? <laughs> No, it really doesn't. Again, I just I can't envision the league extending the timeline at Mullet any more than it already is. So, sure, if you can come to a deal quickly, maybe you literally transfer a big pieces of this current deal that they had with Tempe to the next partner, maybe it works and you can still make it happen in three years. Because remember, part of this deal was they had to clean up the dump site, and that was going to take anywhere from six to eight months just to get that done. So if you remove right. that piece of it, maybe you have that additional time to work with in constructing a a new arena somewhere else. As we have this discussion and and we're talking about, you know, you're trying to wrap your head around why they're kind of okay with this. Why do you think uh, that Gary Bettman is so committed to making hockey work in Arizona? Um, I don't, I don't want to speak too much for Gary. Some of the things that he's told me is he believes in the market if, if the location is right. And listen, I, I remember the team when they were downtown at America West Arena the first few years. They, they had fantastic crowds. It was a great atmosphere. So he saw that, and he, he believes that that can be replicated as long as they're in the right location. And then you talk about the, the growth of the city, the growth of the wealth and population base, but also the growth of youth hockey here. It's clearly trending in a good direction on that front, and, and you talk about one of the major media markets in the U.S. All of that plays into it. So there, it's a complex answer. I do think some of this is personal with him. <laughs> He's definitely committed to this, and, and he, he has remained loyal to this market. But it, it's, it's a complex answer. I mean, whether it's this year or whether it's they leave and, and come back at some point, like, do you think that hockey can work in Arizona? Again, whether it's now or down the road, like once they get into a building, whatever it may be, like, do you do you believe that an NHL franchise can thrive in in the state of Arizona? Yeah, I would go back to something that Richard Burke, the owner who brought the team here from Winnipeg, told me in a story that I wrote last week. Uh, just looking at this, in, the, the entirety of this arena saga, when they made the decision to go to Glendale, he was still working with Dal Scottsdale to try and build an arena on the site of the old Los Arcos Mall. That, that they thought was an ideal location. I agree. It's, it's fantastic. He told Steve Ellman at the time, his co-owner, it's not going to work in the West Valley. The economics do not work. This is where the population base is. This is where the wealth base is. This is where the vast majority of our premium season ticket holders are. And it still holds true. Anywhere from two-thirds to three-quarters of them live on the east side of town. So if they're in the right location, I think that matters a lot. Richard Burke told me everything that came after the Coyotes moved to Glendale in 2003 was a product of those economics. You have this turnover in ownership groups because nobody can sustain the losses. You can't invest in the team in scouting or any of the other areas that make the on-ice product better because, again, you're not generating revenue from that arena. His belief was that you had to be on the east side in order to do that closer to your base. So say you have the right location and you have stable ownership, hopefully. Those are two critical pieces, right? And then you just have to build it right. 
give credit to Bill Armstrong and the, the most complete scouting staff that I've ever seen for the Coyotes. They're doing a good job in spite of the fact that this franchise has still never had a top two pick. They're doing a good job of building the base. They're doing it right. They're not abandoning the rebuild halfway through like past regimes have done. But it, again, you need that stable ownership and the right arena location and everything filters down from that. Well, what do you see the impact being on, on players and hockey operations here too, Craig? I'm sure Bill Armstrong would say it's business as usual. They got to prep for the draft. They got to prep for free agency. <laughs> but I, I'm just thinking of a guy like like Logan Cooley. Is is he really going to sign his entry level and, and go pro when, when the team that drafted him is, is going through all this? It, it almost seems like that's a guy who's going to just go back to college. Like I, I'm sure they all want to go business as usual. But, you know, I, I would be concerned about... Uh, how they'd be able to do that. Yeah, I think it's a very fair concern, with, especially with a player like Logan. Everyone knows that he hasn't signed his ELC yet. I think it's pretty transparent at this point that he was waiting to see what happened with the vote, and now that it hasn't gone their way, I, I have no earthly idea why Logan Cooley would sign his ELC just yet. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of players are going back to college for a second year anyway, so it's not like it's unprecedented and a, a message to them, but I'm sure he would like some more clarity on what's going to happen. So, yeah, I think that's a, a definite storyline to watch. And if I were betting on it, I would bet that Logan Cooley would be heading back to Minnesota this next season. Well, Craig, I'm sure this is not what this is not what everybody gets into NHL reporting to do, but you're doing a great job on this. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about it. Absolutely, Haley. Great talking to you, and thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. There goes Craig Morgan from Phoenix Sports. Uh, really great stuff from him. Yeah, you uh, grow up wanting to be an NHL hockey writer and you end up having to dive into Arizona laws and zoning bylaws and council member bylaws. <laughs> I don't think that's a real thing, actually, but. It's the glamorous side of things. And that uh, conversation with Craig Morgan brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. You can dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. I, I think what makes this whole situation complicated, again, as I mentioned throughout that conversation with Craig Morgan, is you feel for the fans who are passionate about that team right the fans who care about the Arizona Coyotes really do care about that team and it seemed like Mullet Arena was a really fun spot to go to I mean I would love to go to a game next season and and check out that atmosphere is it uh, a long-term sustainable place to play I mean what is it 4,800 seat arena at a college campus no um, it's not and I think the time that it would take to strike a new deal, do whatever voting, break ground, put shovels in the ground. I mean, I don't need to explain this to people in Calgary, how long it could take to just get shovels in the ground on a new arena. We've been talking about a new arena to replace the Saddle Dome in this market for years. Several projects have, you know, looked promising and, and then gone away. Obviously, this this newest one uh, has seemed promising as well, so I don't want to jinx anything for, for Flames fans here, but I, I don't need to tell anybody in this market how, how complicated and how long that process could take. So I just wonder, like, how much longer is Gary Bettman, like, not the NHL, not the Board of Governors, I mean, maybe it is them, but, like, how much longer is Gary Bettman going to continue to hold on to this project that, as Craig said, seems pretty personal. I mean, the Coyotes' long-term success has been 
kneecapped by, you know, combinations of this kind of arena drama, poor ownership, um, not a great product on the ice. I think there's a lot to like about the concept of the NHL in Arizona. I think obviously you look at uh, a local product like Austin Matthews. I mean, he's from that area and he is a superstar. I mean, even Matthew Nyes, I mean, it made me feel really old, uh, but Matthew Nyes is from Arizona and he grew up liking Austin Matthews, which again, that makes me feel really old. Austin Matthews is what, 25 years old? It's really upsetting. How old is Matthew Nyes? Anyways, I'm not even that old. Um, <laughs> and obviously Phoenix is a huge TV market. Um, so there's a lot to like about hockey working in the desert, but it just hasn't worked. And I wonder how much longer they're going to continue to try. So I think the big question is, as we hear the news, they are going to play at Mullet Arena next season. Is that a stopgap measure? Is it a near thing to get things into shape to then sell the team and move the team? Or are they going to stick there for the next couple years and allow the Coyotes and, and Marullo to find a new spot in Arizona? I don't know. But I appreciate Craig Morgan for coming on and providing all of that insight. Uh, I think we're going to head to a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to be joined by Sean Gentilly from The Athletic as we kind of have this conversation about the Arizona Coyotes and what could come next. He has a new story at The Athletic looking at seven different cities that could be an option for a new home for the Coyotes organization if there is relocation. So we can talk to Sean a little bit about that. Uh, but he's also one part of the trio of writers who are doing the playoff previews throughout the season here at the athletic and uh, he had the eastern conference final preview and the western conference final preview so we can talk about that with sean as well and um, that's all coming up next here on hockey central 960 on sports at 960 the fan you're listening to hockey central 960 with Haley salvian on your home of the flames sportsnet 960 the fan all right, Hockey Central 960 continues. It's the uh, Arizona Coyotes Hour edition <laughs> of Hockey Central. That's the big news. There's no hockey on tonight. Well, there's no NHL hockey on tonight. We've got Wranglers tonight, right? That we do. Yeah, exactly. No NHL hockey tonight. If you want to watch a game, Calgary Wranglers, third round of the playoffs against the Coachella Valley Firebirds, you can watch that. Uh, but in terms of looking at the NHL, we're looking at the big news of the day, which is the fact that Tempe voters delivered a resounding no to the proposed $2.1 billion arena and development district for the Coyotes. Looks like they're going to play at Mullet Arena next season. But what happens after that? Had a good chat with Craig Morgan about it. We'll kind of continue the conversation with our next guest, Sean Gentilly. National writer at The Athletic. He joins us now on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. Uh, we brought you in on uh, Blink-182 because I believe you're going to the show tonight in Pittsburgh. So I thought this was a really nice warm-up. This is a nice pre-concert radio segment <laughs> for you. It's very exciting. Welcome. I, I, I was like, hi, hi, Haley. Thank you for having me. I was... Uh... I was confused for a second. I thought it was just some weird coincidence. I, I didn't. I didn't know you were. You, you guys had made a uh, some special plans for me coming in. Coming in. Thank you. I'm ready to roll. You know, friend of the show. We just thought we would try to pump you up. <laughs> yeah. Writing I mean, about like the Coyotes late last night. Writing about the Coyotes uh -huh. all day. 
throw on some Blink-182 instead of Faber Drive for you. Because Cam was getting the CanCon ready, and I was like, wait a second. Let's be nice. Let's put on Blink-182. I I really appreciate it. There's nothing better than... Uh, it's like it's a palate cleanser after writing a couple things about yeah endless Arizona Coyotes arena drama that I've been literally covering for my entire career and I'm 37 years old so I I appreciate it what's my age again indeed yeah what you know what it's funny you're bringing up um your age you know what makes me feel old and i was talking about this before we brought you in uh matthew nye saying that he looks up to austin matthews coming from the desert i was like what are you talking about <laughs> yeah it doesn't get what better. do you mean used to it. You're, you're only gonna you're, you're only gonna keep hearing hearing more of this stuff absolutely like how is how is he how did you grow up watching austin matthews he's been in the league for two years right it's only been two Right. Yeah, it's the fact. I think it's the fact that a player that like it's the Matthew Nyes is only it, it, he's like it's a legitimate thing to say. Seven or eight years ago, he was watching Austin Matthews when he was, you know, twelve, thirteen. Like he was a child. He was an he was he's not like exaggerating. He was an actual child watching Austin Matthews. God help us all. Yeah, it's horrific. Um, sorry to ruin the palate cleanser, though. Got to ask you, like, what's your take on what's going on with the Coyotes? Obviously, we hear today from Greg Wyshynski, from Craig Morgan, Elliot Friedman's confirming it as well. It looks like the Coyotes are going to play at Mullet Arena next season. But I think what I'm wondering is, is that just a one-year thing? Or are they going to try to make this thing work long-term in Arizona? Like, what do you make of all this? And, and what's the most viable option going forward, in your opinion, Sean? Well, I'm not surprised to hear it because it's tough to move a hockey team in six months. I know we saw it happen with the Jets, but I'm sure that's a situation that the league would rather not uh, would rather not revisit. I mean, and, and that was truly too, by the way, when the Thrashers moved out of Atlanta to Winnipeg, that was that came together really, really, really quickly. And I, I'm pretty, I'm reasonably sure that the league doesn't want to, you know have to figure something out uh, that quickly. And also there isn't any super viable easy option like there was with True North in uh, in Winnipeg, right? Like all these options, when you, if you're looking at relocation, if that's the route that we're going to go down here, there is no perfect spot. You know, Salt Lake City is probably as close as we have at this point because there is an interested owner. He's the guy that owns the Utah Jazz. He owns the arena. That arena can make ice. It's in the western. It's in the western United States. It's in the it's in the Mountain Time Zone. Like there's there's ways to make that work, but it's still Salt Lake City, right? It's still kind of a B list, you know, not a not a huge TV market, not a huge uh, not not a huge corporate base. So that's not a perfect solution either. And then you look at at the other, you know, ones that have been discussed more widely, like Atlanta, Houston, whatever. They're even further down the line because they're either trying to build arenas or trying to get ownership groups together. Like they're they're still earlier in the process without being, you know, as much of an easy immediate fit as Salt Lake City is. So we'll see. I'm not surprised that, you know, it seems like they're locked in for another year there because they need they need runway. It it helps it helps improve the relocation options too. So I I don't know. We'll see. I, I guarantee we'll be talking about this again in a year, two years, five years. It's just yeah. it's just never going to end. 
And it sounds like Alex Marullo, we, I mean, again, we just had Craig Morgan on the show, and it sounds like Alex Marullo wants to continue owning the Arizona Coyotes, and the NHL almost seems like, they're like, yeah, let's let's keep giving it a whirl, and I just, I don't really get it. I mean, Why? you try, like, you try to, fi- you try to figure out the path for them to stay in Arizona, right? You look at, uh, it, 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 the Phoenix Suns, maybe they just had a guy named, by the name of Matt Shibia who bought the team recently. He's super rich dude. Maybe he'd be interested in buying it. Maybe there's some way to renovate the downtown Phoenix Arena yet again, so it can, so it can host hockey games, which at this point apparently it can't. So I, I don't, I, in, or maybe there's some other municipality out there, some other town that isn't Glendale or Tempe or some other site or whatever, where there'd be a viable arena, arena option in Arizona. But these things take time. And I think there's one thing that we've learned, you know, especially by maybe the midpoint of this past season is that, I mean, that team cannot be in mullet arena at Arizona state university for any longer than it has to be like, that is a lifeboat. Mm-hmm. It's not meant it's not meant – the fact that they're, even under best-case scenario, they're going to play three years there, probably four, even if the arena got built, is crazy. So when you're talking about starting out from ground zero, basically, with, with an arena somewhere else, even if that's, if that's what we're talking about here, you know, the timeline stretches out even further, and that just doesn't seem like a viable thing. Certainly not with the Players Association. That's a big consideration here that I feel like has mm-hmm. been lost, I think, in some in some regard, is that – the players can't. The players can't stand this. Like it's it's a it's an issue. It should be rightfully so, and uh, that's a consideration too. So yeah, it's a mess, and it's it's never going to end. I just don't really know what other franchise Gary Bettman would would kind of let this. Uh, yeah, happen. none. I think there's the like answer, personal the investment the here, right? The answer is none. And the issue, uh, not the issue, but the reason this has you know, gone on for as long as it has because Alex Marullo wants to own the team and say what you will about, you know, the way they've gone about their business. But, you know, that guy wants to own a hockey team and he wants to make it work. And that is the difference between Arizona and say Atlanta, you know, back in, back in 2011, there was no ownership group there. There was no, you know, local buy-in. And I think the fact that Marulo is there and wants to own the team is giving cover to Bettman, you know, string this out as long as he possibly can. He's got a lot of personal stake in this. He's, you know, it's an issue. It's kind of like an example of the sunk cost fallacy if, 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 if for, for everybody who's aware of that, right. Where you just keep throwing uh, bad money after good at, at this point. It's a mess. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, we got a couple notes in the text line. I mean, one uh, one texter, Tyler from Bonus, he was saying uh, that they could just pack the team up and move it to Houston, start the season there. It's the Houston Toyota Center. Um, but I, I don't – Well, that's where the AHL's team is. I guess yeah. it's better than Mullet Arena, but I don't think you want to start off a, a market in Houston in a non – NHL rink, right? Like you'd rather have it involved with the Rockets and you want that arena to be able to maybe facilitate a hockey team. I'm not sure. I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. The cliff notes there are that, well, first off, the Toyota Center is where the Rockets play. And the Rockets owner, Tillman Fertitta, has booking control over that arena. So he decides who gets to play where. He has right of first refusal to buying an NHL team, which he's been interested in in the past. He's He's been public about that. 
But Tillman Fertitta, ask any NBA fan, ask any Rockets fan, you know, he's got some warts of his own, and he's had some financial difficulties in the past. So if Tillman Fertitta wants to pony up $800 million or whatever the going cost for an NHL franchise is right now, like, good luck. Good luck with that, because I, I don't know that that's necessarily a price tag he can or is and or is interested in paying. And if he's not the one who owns the team – it's going to take another ownership group to buy it, work with him on the lease, and then get another arena built. So I get every mm-hmm. everyone loves Houston. It's a, it's one it's the fifth largest city in this country, huge media market. There is possibilities there, right? Like there's a reason that it keeps coming up. But also sure. it, there are boxes left to check there, and and it starts with the ownership because I I'm not sure either side. Uh, wants to lock in, you know, a Tillman Fertitta owned NHL team. Sure. Yeah. There's a there. I don't think there's a perfect relocation option there's right not. now, and part of that no. is because there this this runway. Obviously, having one more year at Millet Arena gives you a little bit more, but but it's not that simple. And I want to be clear. I don't think the Houston Arrows still exist. <laughs> I know they don't anymore. It wasn't. That, they it don't wasn't currently play ago. at Toyota Center. Twenty thirteen, they stopped existing. It's been a while. But they played at the Toyota Center is what I meant to say. Not that they currently play, so nobody nobody yell at me. I I know they don't. I mean, it's it's 2013. (laughs) That's only like four years after the Glendale, Arizona City Council meetings that I was watching from my desk at my first job. It's not that long ago. (laughs) Not in uh, not in Arizona Coyotes years. Um Let's move on from the Coyotes conversation and start looking at the conference finals here, Sean, because you are part of the trio with uh, Dom Lustrician and Shana Goldman, who do the really comprehensive previews for all of the playoff series um, from the first round to now. Eastern Conference final starts tomorrow. It's Carolina versus Florida, game one tomorrow night. Um, just to start pretty generally, who's got the edge in this one? I-, I feel like it's Carolina, but I also feel like everybody keeps – picking against the Panthers and they keep winning. So it seems like a pretty tough one. It's going to be a blast. I'm psyched to watch what happens here. I, Sergei Bobrovsky is the X factor. I know that's like a really gutsy call to make saying that one of the starting goaltenders is, you know, a huge part of the series, but it's, he's been unbelievable, right? $10 million goalie. Very important. (laughs) Can you, you know what, you know, the craziest part about it? is that my man has looked like a $10 million goaltender. That doesn't happen that often. Like, he's been uneven at best since he since he landed in Florida. But, man, especially against especially against the Leafs, the guy was out of his mind. He was really, really, really good. Like, he leads the league in, in uh, goal saved all of expected, and it's, it's not particularly close in the postseason, right? So he's been fantastic. And he's he, if, if he plays here, – here's what I'll say. If he plays the way that he did against Carolina, or against uh, uh, if he plays the way he did against Carolina, the way the, the way he did against uh, Toronto, it's going to be a short yeah. series because they just don't generate chance. They don't generate true high danger chances enough, or, or don't capitalize on on, on them enough. I, I should say to uh, to make that work. So, yep, starting goaltender really important. It's true for every single series, but I think it's even more so for, for Florida Carolina. 
And with the West final, you know, you actually were in Vegas and Edmonton covering that series in the second round. And sure, Connor McDavid, best player in the world, Leon Dreisaitl, he was unbelievable throughout the playoffs. But I I think a Vegas-Dallas Western Conference final is going to be the better matchup. They're so evenly matched. There aren't a ton of holes on either team. They both have star power and depth. I think the only question mark for Vegas might just be how long is Aiden Hill going to be able to do this? And, you know, maybe there's some worry about their goalie picture because they're on their number three goalie at this point. Um, but I'm really excited for this Western Conference final. I've been pretty bullish on the Dallas Stars for a while, but Vegas has been excellent and they have i mean jack eichel mark stone jonathan march so gets gets the hat trick in the series uh ending game there's just so much to like uh on both teams which i think makes this a really uh even matchup that's a long time coming from march so too like he had generated quality chances it seemed like he was maybe squeezing his stick a little bit like in the in the middle of that series but he kept he, he fought through it I think he knew that at some point the shots were going to start going in. That's a pretty confident dude. And he came through in a big way. And I think as, you know, it, it was clear for anybody who was watching that series consistently that 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 was either going to, the dam was either going to break for Jonathan March so, or it was going to be really, really unfair, right? Because he was putting himself in a, in a pretty, in a pretty solid position there. And to see him get rewarded like that, I think that, uh, I, I, I think that's, that's always fun. But, man, it's hard to believe, honestly. We're sitting here talking the, the other thing. We're sitting here talking about the Dallas Stars, and it's May, and we're talking about how their depth <laughs> is like a strength of, like, what what planet are we on? How did this mm-hmm. happen? This is a team that was, that was just done in by a lack of depth, really, it felt like the last couple of years. And now we're talking about them being able to roll guys out there against against Vegas and how it's like strength on strength when you're talking about depth. That's a, It's been a wild uh, pivot for them over the last over the last few months so that's certainly a, a testament to the to the job jim nell's done there for sure i'm psyched about this one absolutely well tyler sagan has a quad muscle so that helps jamie ben's bounce back <laughs> they've gotten like you know i feel like everyone just forgot that that guy just like didn't have a hip or quad uh, and everyone's like what just happened to tyler sagan well did we bring that up on our podcast on Friday? I, I feel yes. like I feel like one of us always. I feel like we always that. do. Like, it's like let's just everyone remember what <laughs> what happened. <laughs> because people forget, like like he he had the hip injury and it led all that funky kinetic chain stuff and yeah, his quad is the end result was his, and it his took him a year to get back. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. yeah, it happened. Um, you know it, what it happened. I think there's just so many storylines and a lot of talent in all four of these teams that's left. And there's been so much talk about the final four. Uh, there's no Canadian markets and the northernmost team is Vegas. And, and people don't really seem happy about the markets that are in the final four. And obviously as a Canadian, I would love to see a Canadian team win the Stanley cup. It's been since 1993, but there's so much talk about the TV ratings and, Oh, there's no superstars. Uh, a couple things. Oh, one of the, one of the funny lists that I saw was like, there's nobody left who makes more than $10.1 million. Uh, because like Bobrovsky makes 10 million and that's the AAV by the way, because Tyler Sagan definitely makes more than $10 million this season in actual salary. It's like 13 or something, but everyone's looking, for these like arbitrary metrics to show why this sucks but by the way the seattle dallas game seven had 
a peak of 3.7 million viewers on ESPN. It was the third most viewed second round game ever on cable. So again, as a mm-hmm. Canadian, I'm conflicted because yeah, I would love for Toronto to still be playing Edmonton, throw in Winnipeg, fine. But like, and also to say there's no star players, like does Jack Eichel not exist? Is Mark Stone a bum? What about Anthony Duclair, Matthew Kachuk, Jacob Slavin, Sebastian Ajo? Like, come on. It's a good final four. I think it's going to be fun. Well, who's with I'm, me? I'm personally, very, <laughs> I'm personally very upset that the Calgary Flames are not playing in this round since, as we've said many times on this show, I picked them to win the Stanley Cup preseason. So I'm devastated that there's not one specific Canadian team, team that's uh, yeah that's still in the mix. I'm exhausted by it. like just watch the games. Watch the games. These series are going to be fun. Who cares? Like I, I, I like move move on. We've seen it more than enough. Like, you guys should be used to this by this point. I mean, we're talking about <laughs> whatever, how, however rude. many years. Like, this isn't this is any different. Like, it's, it's the same storyline gets rolled out every single year whenever the last Canadian team gets, gets eliminated. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Enjoy watching, you know, Matthew Kachuk against the Carolina Hurricanes. And enjoy watching... You know Jack Eichel and trying to figure out whether Jason Robertson can can break out of this this goal scoring slump that he's in. Like there's there's star power on all four of these teams. There's compelling storylines on both. Stop worrying about the TV ratings. You, unless you work for ESPN or you're trying to sell ad space on these games, like for next season, like don't worry about it. It's no it's nobody's concern. It's like it, it's media it's media based whining that somehow leaks through to fans. Fans should not have to worry about this stuff. <laughs> Root for a good game. Enjoy yourselves. Yeah. I don't uh, – the TV ratings has been my favorite one. Well, this is really bad it for the TV markets. Like, what do you – who cares? Oh, my God. They already that's, signed that's the deal. The they already signed the TV deal. It's locked in, so it's yeah. fine. And, well. and on top of it, like, like – and you mentioned this, Haley, like the irony here is that the TV ratings have been good. Seattle, Dallas, it did, it did great numbers. Like, stop worrying about it. Just enjoy the hockey that, 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 that's taking place in front of your face. Will do. All right. We got to get out of here, Sean. Enjoy the concert. Thank you for the rant. I appreciate it. Thanks for being on my side. Yeah, it was easy. <laughs> I, blacked, I, I, I blacked out for like 45 seconds there. I hope everything's okay. Goodbye. Yeah, you didn't say anything that's not allowed on the radio this time, <laughs> so thank you for that. Well, I don't know what you're talking about there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Sean. Have fun at the concert. Yeah. There goes Sean Gentilly, a national writer at The Athletic, talking about uh, what comes next for Arizona and teeing up some of these playoff matchups that don't start until tomorrow. But when we come back on the program, we will have games to tee up. Eastern Conference Final starts Thursday. Western Conference Final starts Friday. We'll have you covered on all that here on Hockey Central 960 on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.